Episode 38 with Tia Goins, one of my favorite classic country singers. Wonderful lady, had a great conversation. Uh, also, my co-host Brian Edwards joined me on this one. And uh, sit back, relax, enjoy Tia Goins. <laughs> All right, we're here uh, on the podcast with Tia Goins, one of our favorite country singers. Love watching you all the time. Uh, I follow you on multiple media things, I think on Facebook and Instagram, and seeing you a lot on the, uh, I always say it wrong, I always want to say RF, is it the RFD network? or? Yeah, that's, yeah. It. that's it, RFD. I always want to exactly. say RDF, I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm one of very few that get it up here in Canada because I have a American satellite dish subscription up here so I can get the channel gotcha. but it's not available uh up here in Canada uh, unless you have a American satellite so oh, okay um, okay apparently it's coming they've got a Shaw cable or one of them have signed up to start carrying it they just haven't started to carry it yet so we'll soon have it coast to coast up here too which would be great so okay well that would be great and in the meantime they do have the uh red tv uh, which is like you can get it on your Roku and your Apple TV and those kind of things, and it, it has all of those shows on it as well. Good, well, that's great. Check that out. So, are you in? Are yeah. you in Nashville now? I am. I'm at home, obviously, like everyone else is, locked in, quarantined, and all the things. And uh, it's it's fine though. It's it's you know it's been what a month and a half now, and yeah, I'm home. Yeah, <laughs> not much else you can say besides that. I know we're all going through it up here it's, as well, and it's stressful. And I own a theater up here in, in Canada, and, and just oh wow, just today we we canceled 120 shows. It's a I'm weird sorry. weird feeling. I mean, there's part of it that's you kind of a relief that you finally able to announce it and get it rolling and all those things you've been talking about forever. But then there's a pit in your stomach thinking, oh gosh, that's that's a whole yeah. summer years worth of work and uh you don't even know whether it's going to pick up again anytime next year absolutely it's it's been really strange i think as an artist it's been weird for me um we had actually probably more stuff down the pike for 2020 than we've ever had um that obviously has already been either canceled or postponed and even you don't even know what the postponement if that's going to carry through because you know we just don't know how long this is all going to last and and once things do pick up, it's going to be interesting to see how eager people are to go sit in a theater or go, see, you know, go to a show and things like that. So it's it's a, definitely a one day at a time kind of a thing. And, and I think that's that's probably what's helped me through this the most is just um, keeping that mindset of I'm going to I'm going to think about today. And that's all I'm going to think about at this point. <laughs> that's all we can do. There's no other yeah. path. No, that's exactly right. You know, we're, we're all watching it to see when things are going to lighten up. And in the meantime, we just hold on to what we've got and hold on it real tight. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems still super early to know anything. And I, there's lots of conversations going on. I know Brian and I, we've talked uh, to a lot of venues and, and different people across all over North America. And it's still such a guessing game. No one really, people kind of say, oh, we're going to start in August or September and and there's still yeah. a lot of people who are just in kind of denial that it's actually going to uh, happen. I mean, it, it's 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 not going to happen yeah. that soon. It's yeah. going to be I, a while. So 
We'll see. Yeah, I, I get it. It's it's a it's a weird place to be. The entertainment industry is certainly being uh, tested right now. So I guess we'll all see what we can do and how to handle it the best. I've been doing a lot of um, live things from the house, you know, on social media and and trying to keep people engaged in that way and and keep in touch with with my people there. You know, I have a really great social media following that have been so encouraging and they're, they've just been there for me from the beginning. And that's been one thing that has, uh, we've been really been working on is trying to, you know, kind of get a little home studio kind of set up to where I've got a little bit better, uh, equipment. I got some better mics, got some better, you know, just, I'm like, what can I do during the downtime? How can I utilize the downtime? And you guys will appreciate this being podcasters and all, but, uh, I got everything all set up to do these really great live videos and, and, got these mics and got a new webcam and everything. And uh, my laptop just literally minutes before we went on here fell off of a table and I can't get the screen to come back on. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I've got everything all set and ready to go, I have no laptop. And I'm like, really? We just got it all together last night. So, you know, it's one challenge after another, but luckily I still have my phone so I can can do things on there until another laptop comes along. Always a good excuse to buy another laptop. I never have a problem. With that. Well, there you go. I mean, I was what we were just talking about. I was like, well, it was seven years old. I was probably due for a new one anyway, and it has taken some falls in the past and and revived itself. So if it doesn't make it through this one, it'll be okay. But anyway, great. Well, you've been doing a great job with your social media and uh, being inventive. You can tell that you have a real connection with your your audience, and it really shows. It's. As you know, you probably be on Facebook and Instagram a lot, and there's a, just abundance of people performing online, and some of yeah. it is great, and some of it is not so great. I know, right? And it's yeah. unfortunately it's like Facebook has become like the gong show. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I think everybody's thinks it's their chance to make it now on right. Facebook or whatever media they're looking at. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I get it. And, and, you know, like I said, we're all, we're all sitting at home at our wits end board looking for something to do. So, a lot, you know, and, and I get it. And, and that's your outlet and it's a good way, but it's been really great for me. It's funny because, um, in April, I, I, I do not play a musical instrument. I'm a drummer. So, you know, it's not like I can play along and sing with my drum and, and it, you know, be something anyone wants to listen to. So um, I decided to do a karaoke uh, a day till May, all through the month of April, and let people request whatever songs they wanted. But it, there were only two requirements. It had to be something that I had never performed before, and it couldn't be anything that I had ever recorded for. But it could be anything. And... I had the best time. Like it was a great way. It kept people in touch every single day. I put up a new video, a new song, and it, it stretched me out a little bit. It, it, they, they really challenged me. There were some songs in it that I was like, I don't even know, but you know, I got to, to go through, learn a few things and, and do some stuff that I would have never normally had the opportunity to do. Um, and it was crazy. I, I set it up in my garage, which there's a long story behind that, but Another reason why I'm trying to get my little home studio sounding a little better. But you know how great the reverb in your garage is? Everybody yeah. sings in their garage. It sounds great, right? It's right next to your bathroom. So, it's, it's the best. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, but it, that was a really fun way uh, through the month of April. So we're, we're working on now what we're going to do in May. And I think we have started um, a little funky thing called Quarantine, Quarantia Late Night Live. And we're going to just do that randomly. And it's going to be a little bit later at night, which is nice because I have a lot of uh, folks that are overseas that have asked me to do later at night kind of things. So um, that's what I'm hoping to to start doing. And my husband just gave me a big thumbs up in the background, by the way, that he got my screen working on my computer. Oh, nice. Let's get excited about that. Let's get (laughs) really excited. Um, But anyway, yeah, so, you know, I'm just trying to be creative in what I know how to do uh, to keep people engaged where they, you know, because the people at home, they're not able to go to a show. They're not able to go do anything. So they want to see things and they want to get to know us. And I think if anything, the quarantine has allowed us all to be as real and raw as we, you know, I mean, they're getting the real deal. They're going to see me sitting on my couch at home you know, with no makeup on and, and that, because we're all doing that right now. Yeah. And, uh, I just think it's a really good way to get to know your, my audience, but also them get to get to know me a little bit better. Yeah. And I think too, that if you're, if you're on social media like that, that's what people really want to see. They want to know the yeah. real person and want to know what's behind Absolutely. how they do their everyday life. And I think that's right. what becomes very successful when you're doing what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, kudos. It's been, you're doing a really good job. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for uh, watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like TV channels. When you're scrolling through, you, you may be friends of hundreds or thousands of people, but there's only really a few that you stop to look at that you find yeah. engaging, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. You're like channel five for me. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I'll take it. I'll take Whatever it. that could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, you go back to an, uh, an era with your... Um, with your likes of people like Ray Price and little Jimmy Dickens and uh, mm-hmm. Mel Tillis and Bill Anderson, and both Darren and I have worked with all of those guys a lot over the years doing different shows and stuff. So I was uh, lucky enough to be on a cruise a few years ago with Larry's country diner. Larry set us up with some tickets to come and watch all the shows. And I'll tell you, it was fabulous. You did a wonderful job on there and you fit right in with that tremendous traditional sound. It was great. Well, thank you very much. I didn't realize you had been on a cruise. That's awesome. Yeah, those those cruises are a lot of fun, and, and that's another thing that's up in the air right now. I don't know that we'll go on our cruise in December, but um, but yeah, the, the traditional stuff. That's what I was born and raised on. Um, I, I grew up in Missouri, and we had an AM radio station that played classic country, and that was all anyone in my family ever listened to. So I didn't realize until way later on that there was any other kind of music than that. Um, I can remember being in like third and fourth grade and people talking about Madonna and, and Michael Jackson. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Like, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> it was all very foreign to me. So um, luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that now my musical tastes have grown quite a bit and I like a lot of different styles of music. But but that's really uh, that was the starter for me was that traditional country sound. Yeah, we're very much the same. I grew up playing in a family band and and started playing the fiddle when I was about four, and we just played old country music. And when I got mm-hmm. to school, that's all I knew. And it really wasn't until I got to high school that I really knew much of anything yeah. else. Everyone started talking about all these other groups. And you go to the high school yeah. dance, and you're like, what's all this music? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know half of these songs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I can remember uh, going to school 
And I was so excited because I had opened a show for Grandpa Jones. And everyone was like, what? You know, (laughs) I was like, you know, Grandpa Jones. But they, you know, they they weren't like me. They were listening to the other stuff. So but I was country when country wasn't cool. There you go. Yeah, us too. And we're proud of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning and kind of work our way up a little bit. And uh, I read that you started singing pretty young. Uh, how old were you when you started actually going out and singing in public? Um, the first uh, solo that I ever did, I sang it in church uh, when I was three years old. That was the first thing. Um, and I, my mom says that I used to sing, just make up songs and sing around the house. And I was there that I was just kind of always singing. Um, so yeah, I started in, in, you know, just singing in church and things like that. And I loved it. The first time, you know, you hear an audience clap for you, you're like, oh, well, let's keep doing that. Whatever that is, that's good. So um, we started doing little talent shows and little, you know, fairs and things around town and around where we lived. And and um, that led to me being in a talent show when I was eight years old at a country music uh, theater that was nearby where we lived. Yeah. And I was in the talent show. I didn't win the talent show. But the following summer, they called and uh, invited me to be part of that show uh, as an as an eight year old kid, you know, a second grader. And um, that was really I don't know. That was one of those moments. I I can remember my mom sitting me down and going, now, if you really want to do this, because my goal at that point was I want to sing on the Grand Ole Opry. Well, this place was the Truman Lake Opry. <laughs> that was as close as I could get. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I want to do it. And my mom sat me down and was like, are you sure? Because this is going to be every weekend. Like you're going to miss slumber parties and you're going to miss birthday parties and things like that. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it. And I think looking back now, I think that was my mom going, do I want to commit every weekend of my life to taking you there? <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> but, um, but she did. And I did that, uh, gosh, until I was 19, I, I performed there, uh, every summer and was, you know, we had a live band, we had a 600 seat theater. Um, so it was a great training ground, uh, to learn how to interact with a band and to interact with an audience and just to get that stage, um, the, the study of being on stage. Um, a lot of people I know moved to Nashville and they've never really staged stuff. And so they have that learning curve when they get here of how to be on stage. And I was, I'm really thankful that I got to do that and grow up in that and grow up around other people that sang and other entertainers that were, you know, our local people that, that kind of showed me the ropes. So looking back at that time when you were young and singing in this show, is there a couple people that you can think of that really were ones that helped you further along? I always look back at there are certain people that I w- looked up to, admired at that time. And or- yeah, um, there was a, a guy that he was our MC and he played bass and he he, he would switch off and play banjo every once in a while. His name was Jim Hayes, um, and he to this day continues to be a great encouragement to me. He he was just. He is very natural behind the microphone. He he was very funny. Um, and I remember always thinking, man, I want to be able to talk to the audience like he does and, and, you know, interact the way that he does. So he's one. And there were a couple of girls uh, that were in the show um, at the time. And they were sisters, Karen and Melanie. And um, I think just, you know, 
know, seeing them because like I said, I was a kid and they were probably 10 years older than me. Um, and so kind of watching them and, and seeing, you know, I remember them telling me, Oh, you need to breathe like this, or you need to, you know, sing bigger, do that, you know, things like that. And, and yeah. they taught, I learned a lot of harmony vocals from listening to them and things like that. So yeah, there, there were a lot of great people, uh, during those years that I got to be in a band with and, and got to really to know them and have, have continued relationships with them. I'm friends with all of them on Facebook and, and keep in touch with all of them. Good. It's funny how you mentioned uh, that your mom was probably worried about driving you around and you would have to decide not to go to your friends' right. parties and that. And I know I, I'm, yeah. I have similar backgrounds again, as I remember with our family group, we used to play dances every single weekend and play it every weekend. Yeah. So you missed every school party or a party get together yeah. with birthdays and, and you got to high school and the, and the, everything that happened on the weekend, everyone would be getting together and you'd be out doing a gig. But at the time exactly. I was slightly disappointed, but I look back at it now and I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed that for the world. I, that's oh, yeah. what we're meant to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. It, it was, um, you know, most of the things that I could work around, I can remember going to slumber parties after the show. I can remember my mom dropping me off at 1130 at somebody's <laughs> house to, so that I could go ahead and have the spend the night, you know, and do the party <laughs> thing. Um, so it, it was great. And we were able to work around a lot of that stuff. When I was in high school, I was not like the super popular kid in high school anyway. So I wasn't getting invited to anything cool that was happening. So <laughs> that, I didn't, I didn't really miss anything. I went to my prom, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was where I wanted to be, especially when I was in high school, I wanted to be singing. So you weren't in show choir in high school or anything like that? Um, I was in choir. I was in band. I was a I was a band nerd. I'll just put that out there. Band was my number one all through school. Um, I played in the jazz band, the marching band, the concert band. I was in the pet band. Uh, I was drum major my senior year. Um, so that was really that was really where I wanted to be in school. I, I did choir for a while simply because the choir director was an amazing woman who was so much fun and she and I hit it off but choir was not anything that I was really super interested in I, I didn't like reading sheet music and that whole thing like I want to just sing I don't want to be told how to sing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which probably sounds terrible but um it's just like I, I don't know I, I was never much of a choir person I did a little bit of drama I was in a few plays in high school but uh, unfortunately the arts program was not where the popular kids hung out at my high school. Um, if you weren't playing football or a cheerleader, you, you know, so, um, but I, I love that. And that, that was pretty much how I spent my high school career was, was mainly banned. That was what I did a lot of. Sounds like a very musical high school. Uh, I went through the same thing as well and <laughs> look back at those times of band. Me too. And, yeah. And, <laughs> Played in the, yeah. the orchestra and, and all that stuff. And it was fun, yeah. even though oh, absolutely. I was a country. My my teacher, you always used to be mad at me because I used to, being a fiddler, uh, we'd be playing our, our little tests and I used to slide into every single note. <laughs> you know, it's the, right. the country thing to do. And, uh, right. I can remember I can remember my choir teacher getting on to me about that. She's like, quit sliding in, quit sliding. I'm like, but it sounds better. You know? you know. <laughs> <laughs> Once you finished up with the Opry uh, or kind of grown out of that what was your kind of next step where did yeah. you, you head at that point um I finished up college um I wanted to 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 get through school and all that before I made the move to Nashville um so I finished with college 
Uh, I moved out here um, in 2002 and got married in 2003. And I was working at Verizon Wireless, oddly enough. Um, that's what I was doing because, you know, you can't make you can't make any money making music. Obviously, we all know that, especially yep. when you've just moved to town. Um, so I had a real job, and um, I did that for a few years. And my husband, he said, "You know what? You didn't move here to sell cell phones. You moved here to sing. I think we can manage. You need to you need to stop working and start just doing this full time." So I did that. Um, started, you know, just trying to network, trying to meet people, trying to knock on doors, and and make as many contacts as you can. That's kind of the drill uh, when you get to Nashville. And I did, I, I met a lot of nice people. I did a little bit of songwriting. I, I've, songwriting is great if that's a gift that you have. If it's not a gift you have, it feels like utter work and it's very, very difficult. And that's kind of where I landed after I did that for a few years. I, I wrote, I would write two or three days a week with great writers and just, it, it was just, it was very, very, it wasn't something that I felt like was my gift, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I love, I love to interpret music. I love to sing. I love to be able to tell the story, but I need someone else to write the story. Let me put it that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's why I did that. And then I started working for uh, WSM radio uh, very randomly, um, they were doing a remote. I had went out to meet one of the DJs because I was a fan and started talking to their promotions girl that was working there and told her, I said, hey, if you guys ever need anybody, I would work for free. You know, that'd be just cool to say I work for WSM. And she called me a couple weeks later and, and was like, hey, we've got a spot. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to work. So I was did the glamorous radio promotions job for a while where, you know, you hand out bumper stickers and ink pens in the pouring down rain at events and things like that, you know. Yeah. And, and um I did that for a couple of years and then they wanted me to learn some production. I was like, okay, sure. And uh, I started producing the Grand Ole Opry warm-up show with Keith Bilbrey. Wow. And so, yeah, right? And I'm like, y'all realize oh I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, I didn't go to school for this. Are you sure you want to put me on that? And um, so basically that was, I was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry every Saturday night um, and I would go run talent. I would go, you know, to dressing rooms and call on whoever, Hey, come on, it's time for your interview and bring them in and set up and do all the things. And, uh, it was really, that was, a, an incredible experience that I could not have made happen if I had tried. It was, it would just kind of fell in my lap. And it also gave me the opportunity to get to meet so many of my heroes, but they, but not as an artist, if that makes sense. Yes. They met yeah. me as the girl from the radio station, you know, and what was nice is that I think it made the friendship a little more real because it wasn't like an artist trying to chum up to another artist. You know, it was just, they saw me as that and I met them and, and we would see each other in the halls and say, Hey, and whatever. And, you know, and I had these great friendships. And so in 2010, I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of you guys. I'm sorry. That's I, all right. I know okay. you're, no worries. I just, I, I start telling the story and then I can't shut up. So shut me <laughs> go, up. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I, I, it was actually, it was in 2008 um, after one of our 
radio broadcasts, we had done an intimate evening with Eddie Stubbs, if, if y'all are familiar with WSM, oh, yeah. um, at, the, at the Country Music Hall of Fame. And the girls and I had decided to go over to the Station Inn to hear the Time Jumpers play after the show. So we went over to the station inn. I knew Rick Van Aw, who was playing drums uh, with the Time Jumpers at that time. Yeah. And he, they called me up. Uh, he pointed me out and was like, hey, get her up to sing. And so I sat in and did a couple of songs with them. And after the show was over, uh, this gentleman approached me and he put his hand out. and He said, my name's Terry Choate. I manage the Time Jumpers and we need to make a record. Awesome. <laughs> right? Which, again, nothing I could have made happen. It was just like, oh, okay. And Terry and I have done four albums together uh, since then. And it's just, it's been absolutely amazing. Not bad. Yeah, it's one of those things where we, we chat with a lot of people and it's that one pivot moment in your life, right? Where you just happen to be yep. at a certain spot and asked to do something that you weren't planning on doing and all of a sudden it changes your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm, you know, it's one of those things, I, and I've said this before, that God has opened doors that I would have never knocked on. And that's, that's what that was for me. It was one of those things that I, if I had even known who he was or what he was doing or anything, you know, I, I couldn't have orchestrated that to happen the way that it did um but it did and, and it has just it's it's been a wonderful friendship he and i are really close friends uh we agree on most everything musically which is wonderful to go into a studio with a producer that you're on the same wavelength of what you want something to sound like and the kind of music that you like and, and we just have a lot of really similar mindset musically and it that has just been wonderful and it's made making records really fun and really easy Let's skip back uh, a little bit when you were backstage at yeah. the Opry and, and working yeah. in there. What was that experience like as far as who was the first person you met that you were surprised that your reaction was to see? You know, I love meeting people, but I, no one really uh, just makes me kind of stop in my tracks and kind of go, oh my God, that was such and such. But there's the odd right. person here and there that jumps out to me that's like that. Who was the first for you? Yeah, the person that probably sticks out the most, um, I remember meeting Ray Price and just being very, I don't even know that I said anything except maybe hello. I really don't know because I, I got very starstruck. Um, and I had a couple of opportunities where I met Loretta Lynn and it was sort of the same way. Now, now that I've been around her a few more times, it's, it's not like that. But those first initial meetings uh, with her, I remember just being like, she's real. You know, <laughs> there she is. Um, and that was pretty crazy. Um, I do remember when, when I was working at the station, um, after I had produced that show for a couple of years, they asked me to host a show called Inside the Opry Circle, yep. which again, another thing I'm like, y'all, I'm not a broadcast, but like, are you crazy? Why would you put me, you know? And they said, no, we would love it because you're such a fan and it would be cool to have like a fan's perspective and what, and I was like, okay, I'll try. And the first night that I had to get interviews for my own show, was the night that Carrie Underwood was inducted as a member. But the two interviews that I got were from Vince Gill and the surprise artist that showed up to induct her, which was Garth Brooks. So my first two interviews that I ever did were Vince Gill and Garth Brooks. 
Wow. Boy. Which I would never in a million years go back and revisit either of those because I'm sure they're terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> because those were two guys that I was pretty large fans of, um, especially when I was growing up and Garth was, you know, all over everything. I was a pretty big Garth fan. And uh, that was my first encounter face to face with him. And I was asking him questions. And oh my gosh, I don't even know what I said or did or anything else. But that. You know, those, I remember that night, that was pretty, uh, it was very unreal. Yeah, I guess it was that if you've been watching yeah. uh, Garth on uh, his Facebook streams from his house and, and right, on, on the yeah. Opry this last weekend, it's been pretty fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty good. I know Brian here is speaking of Ray Price. You've done a few tours with Ray Price up oh, here. Oh boy. When I'm just listening in, enjoying everything you're saying. I'm, I sometimes, sometimes you get caught up in something like I am right now, as you can tell, enjoying each and everything you're saying. Because, you know, I mean, I started at this thing when I was 17 years old, and did a Hank Snow and Dean Shepard tour when I was 18. So nice. I remember all that stuff. And you start talking about Ray Price. I mean, I used to sit on the side of the stage every night when I was doing shows with them, and the only artist I ever sat and watched. 12, 15 shows in a row and enjoyed each and every one of them because he was one of the greatest, yeah. you know? Yeah, And absolutely. it was just, so I can see where you'd be very much into that. And, you know, I love the whole traditional element and it's so refreshing for me, especially, and, and Darren as well, to hear that you're carrying on the way you're doing it. And I was reading a lot of your stuff on Wikipedia and your bio about standing up and not taking the steel guitar out of the songs and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's fabulous. Right. It's really neat. Well, thank you. Steel guitar players. Now that's a whole other podcast. Uh, right? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm such a lover of the steel guitar. And in fact, on this last record that we did, um, we did a version of the steel guitar rag. And a lot of people don't know that that song has a lyric. Um, but Terry Choate, who is a closet steel guitar player, but he's a great steel guitar player as well. Uh, he had dug up this, this version with the lyric on it. And he was like, what if we did this? And I was like, um, yeah, please. And so we let Mike Johnson do the full arrangement on it. Oh boy. And I mean, it's, it's so cool the way he did it. And he, we do this key change thing. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. It's, it's really, really, it's a fun record to listen to, especially if you're, any kind of a musician. Uh, we really let the band go and just go crazy on it. And obviously Mike, but we kind of let everybody play a little bit on it. And it was just really, really fun. But yeah, I, I have played some steel guitar shows um, in the past. And, and I always enjoy those because steel guitar people, man, they're just, they're their own breed, you know? And I mean, oh, yeah. if you, if you're into it and you get it, you get it. And it's, it's just, it's unreal. Yeah, they certainly are. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I, always, I always say about <laughs> Mike Johnson, so if he keeps practicing, someday he's going to get really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. We used to book a show that he was on back in the 80s, for God's sake. So he was, him and his brother returned with Bill a long, long time ago. And uh, yeah. then, God, is, next thing you know, you see him with Reba, and he's all over the place, and he's on all those Larry Country Diner shows. It's great. It's, it's excellent to see. Yeah, yeah. Mike... Mike is just, he is phenomenal. And he, he, he's just, he's the nicest guy too. Like he is the most humble, just nice, sweet, funny guy. I mean, he's, they're, he, they're just good people. He and Joni, his wife, we always hang out with them and we do the cruises together and, and they don't live too far from us. So we see them, you know, here and there and have dinner now and then. And it's just, it's a good time. They're, they're good, good people. 
Good, good. One of my uh, great friends up here in Canada is a steel guitar player, and uh, he's backed you up uh, here in Canada, I think in Colbert. His name is Doug Johnson. I know Doug yeah. Johnson. I know. Yes. He's fabulous. Yeah, he's one, I have of, a- one of my best friends, and he's he just thinks you're the best in the world. Well, I think he is. We Okay, so we did a show. Gosh, it's probably been now. I think it's two or three years back. We did this show, and I I recorded on my third album. Uh, I did Pick Me Up on Your Way Down. And we based our version of it on the version that Charlie Walker used to do on the Opry. And what what most people don't realize is when Charlie would do it, he had two steel players. He had Weldon Myrick and Hal Rugg come out and play like this dueling steel guitar thing. And we, when we went in to record it, we were like, okay, we got to have two steel players. So we got Mike and we got uh, Tommy uh, White, <clears throat> excuse me, Tommy White. Yep. And Mike Johnson. And they literally sat in the studio head to head and did it. It was so cool. It was like the best. So when I go to Canada, obviously I only had one steel player, but Doug had worked it out. And I mean, he could not have nailed that thing any more perfectly. And I screamed during the show, like as he's playing it. And someone captured a picture of me screaming and it's the best picture and you can see him and you can see me. It's so great. But yeah, I I love Doug. He's such a talented guy. I I hope to get up there and do some more stuff with him. That would be a blast. Yeah, he would love that. It's a funny thing with steel players. If if you're working with a band that you've never worked with before, you can Mm -hmm. almost guarantee the one person that's going to know their parts is the steel player. And I know I what agree. it is about steel players. They'll sit and practice and they'll know every single lick and every part over anybody I in the agree. band. You don't ever have to think about them. I mean, it's very rare that you have a steel yeah. player who doesn't know what he's done uh, and, or doesn't know the, the songs yeah. or the parts. So it's pretty cool. Absolutely agree. I was going to say, you were saying you had one of the busiest years planned for 2020. Were you all over the U.S. with fairs and festivals and theaters and everything? I see you're doing some work out in Branson as well. Yeah, we're doing a Larry's Country Diner show in Branson. Uh, they do that every year. They they spend a week up there and do shows every night. Um, so we, we were going to do that this year. We had a lot of things on the books, um, some different things, some TV things, and that was kind of what the year was looking like. Um, and it's you know, and yeah, we were going to be pretty much all over the place. Um, we're really wanting to get more out west. We ha- I have not been out west a whole lot. So that's that's kind of where we're focused right now. Um, but I, I'm really I'm really starting to hit Texas. Um, we have started doing a few shows, and we'll hopefully, if our June dates hold up, I'm going to be doing a couple of dates with Bob Will's Texas Playboys under oh, the direction boy. of Jason Roberts. Oh boy! And if you're not familiar with Jason Roberts, he's from Asleep at the Wheel. Uh, or he was he was in Asleep at the Wheel for years. He played fiddle and sang. But uh, Bob Will's family has given him the rights to tour as Bob Will's Texas Playboys. And he's got about a 12-piece group with a horn section and the whole nine yards. I mean, and you talk about a fun group to play music with. Oh, my gosh. And to do those swing things, and, and especially in Texas, people just... You know, they're hungry for it. So we're really hoping to, to start to maybe do some more things down there, but also be able to move that into maybe kind of a performing arts center kind of a thing where we do a, a Texas swing 
night, you know, around around the U.S. and and get to tour that as a show of all of us together because we we had so much fun. We did a show uh, in Texas. I think the first one we did was maybe last November. And I mean to tell you, I, I've never experienced anything like it. It a was so different fun. world, isn't it? It's a world it of its was. own down. Yeah, it really, really was, and and it was just so alive. It was so very fresh and alive, and you know, doing that style of music, and and because I, I, as much as I love traditional country, I also love jazz and uh, those swing things, and and even you know, big band type stuff. So. The combination, the whole Western swing thing to me is like the best of both worlds anyway. And to get to kind of do that kind of stuff and and be a part of that that band and that just the groove that they have all together. Oh, my gosh. It was it was one of those things. I, I, I will never, ever forget it. And I'm really, really looking forward to doing that again many, many times, hopefully in the future. That was going to be one of my next questions of whether you would rather do something in a confined environment like a theater or do you prefer the fair and festival type stuff or do you have a preference of either one of them or um my preference is always going to be um a smaller audience and i do like i do like the theater feel um simply because i feel like it's more focused um a lot of times with fairs and festivals you know you have people kind of in and out and people are talking and people are milling about and not really they're not the focus really isn't there and i feel like i can't connect as well when there's you know 15 ferris wheels surrounding me you know that kind of thing (laughs) um so i really feel like i connect better um in a smaller venue where i can really get to know the audience they can get to know me i can talk we can tell stories obviously you can tell i like to talk uh, but I, I, you know, I, I enjoy that and, and the music, you know, I, I really enjoy to do acoustic shows, uh, where it's just me and a guitar and we'll go out. Um, I, I travel with Steve Smith, uh, who played guitar for the Gatlin brothers for 40 some years. And, uh, he, he goes out with me. I also travel out with Ben Hall some, and, uh, we do these acoustic shows and, and that to me is I don't know. I really, really enjoy a, a small crowd with just a guitar and it, I don't know. There's nothing like that. It's, it's a fun experience to do it that way. I'm going to make a prediction here with what's going on down the road these days and what the outcome okay. is going to be that you're going to be the prime role model for getting this industry back on its feet. Just exactly what you said, that acoustic show with a smaller audience. That's exactly yes. what's going to need. So you're ready. You're all set. I'm ready. I'm ready. You're all set to go. That's that's going to mean a lot. A lot of people, a lot of people want to sing to a sellout or a sold out arena and things like that. That has never been something that I have been striving to get to. I I like the interaction. I like when the show's over that we can go out and and shake hands and meet people and say hi. And, you know, I, I like the relationship aspect of music is what is the most important to me. And I think that's why social media has been such a thing that I've gravitated towards because that builds that relationship. And that's really, um, that's where my heart has always been is is about, you know, just the interaction and, and, and the people. You bet. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Now we talk about going into theaters and and what that's going to look like uh, in the next year or whatever it's going to be. And it certainly Uh is, a lot of people are looking for that one person, two people shows uh, that can come in. It feels right. very safe for the crew, just minimal crew, 
um, smaller right. audience um, in these theaters. They're talking about 20% capacity. Yeah. And so I think there's going to be a few artists that are going to really excel because uh, they're going to find a, a lot of people looking for a, someone similar to fit that that market. And there's not a whole Good. lot of people well, can carry a, a show on their own, right? Um, yeah, well, I, I hope that's the case. That would be that would be wonderful. And that would be, I think, as, as things change, and, and obviously, you know, the music industry has been changing so rapidly in the last 20 years anyway. Everything about it has changed and everything is different. And this is going to force us, I feel like, to be better, to to practice our craft more, to be able to do those shows where it's just us and a guitar. And it's, you know, it, it it's hopefully going to, as artists, challenge us to, you know, get to that level where we feel confident enough to do those kind of things. And, and, um, and hopefully it will help the music. It will benefit the music, if that makes sense. The songs that we write will be better. The music that we record will be better because we've had more time to really focus on, wait, why did I get in on this in the first place? You know, and, and really hopefully separate the men from the boys, if you will, maybe um, during this time. It's taking me back to 35, 36, 37 years ago when all this sort of stuff worked. And it worked very, very well. And right? when you say the business changed over 20 years, I'm not sure that... A lot of the changes were necessarily driven by what the artists wanted and what the industry wanted. And I think right. you're you're nailing it when you said, I feel more comfortable in that setting. And anybody that we've ever worked with, if you sit down and really talk to them, they feel the same way. They just don't know how to get there. Yeah. So if you've got there already, exactly. then you're 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 ready. Well, I thank you. Mm. Here here's a question for you. Do you do you think now with country music where it's at that it's going to take a swing back at some point towards something more traditional again. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it is, and I keep thinking it might, but it's a difficult question. But do you think it will swing back to something more traditional? You know, you, you always hope that it will. Um, I think we've all been probably, especially over the last 20 years, we've all been hoping, thinking this is going to be the year. It's all going to go back. And, and um, I really don't know. I think with the way the industry is, has changed so much, um, Obviously, the, you know, the music row machine is going to churn out what it turns out. And I don't know that we'll ever be able to, to swing that back because it's gotten so far gone. But what's beautiful is the idea that social media, that the Internet, that we now have an outlet where we don't have to just rely on the radio and what the radio is choosing to play for us. Yeah. Um, people now have an option where if they, if they want to hear something that sounds like this, they can go out and look it up and find, oh, there are people that are doing this kind of thing or there, you know, and, and I think that's really, I don't know that the industry is ever going to swing back, but I think the people have spoken and the people will, you know, they're going to, they're going to gravitate. And if we can just make them aware of it, which thank you guys for what you're doing, because what you're doing is you're making your audience aware of what I'm doing. And that's really the way that this is all going to happen is it's all going to be very grassroots and people are seeking it. We just have to put it out there where they can find it. And it, you know, thanks to people like you, we're able to, to get our music out there and, and let people know that, Hey, yeah, there, there are still people making real music out here. I'll guarantee you, and that RFD network, it's up through Canada. I mean, we've toured yeah. probably 3,000 shows over the past 40 years with traditional artists in Canada from the U.S., and it's, mm -hmm. they love it. 
when they get onto this Absolutely. network and you get more exposed up here than ever, you're not going to be going to Texas or anybody. You're going to be up here because they're going to love every bit good, of it. Because the experiences that I have had in Canada have been exactly that. They have proven to me that you guys get it. You guys love the traditional country music and that you don't just love it. Like you show up for it. Like you are into it. You're there for it. I, I did a festival. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was last summer. And I mean, I, I walked out and I was like, holy moly. I mean, you know, there were just RVs as far as the eye could see and just people. And it was amazing. And, and they were there and we did our, we did our whole set. And it was like nobody moved. Like everybody was like there. And this was an outdoor festival. And they were there to listen. And they were focused. And it was great. And I just thought, man, Canada, like you've got it. Like you get it. And that's what I love. So, yeah, the more I can come up and visit, the better off I'll be on that too. Because I I really do know that you guys appreciate the music. And that means so much to someone like me. I think that's going to happen for sure, especially when that station gets broadcasted up here we were very hungry for yeah. that um yeah brian looked after tommy hunter's career for a long time and of course he had a long uh tv history up here in canada Do you know tommy hunter at all mm-hmm. yeah and he, I, I've heard, I, I know of him yeah mm-hmm. he was on he was on T, tnn for nine years just when the, they carried yeah. the show down there but it was before the statler brothers was on Saturday night. They had Hunter on before that, so worked out well. Yeah. But the whole thing was he brought all those acts up here, like Porter and Little Jimmy and Ray Price and Johnny Cash and you right. name it. And that's what that's what the people wanted. So they're going to go right out of their minds, yeah. and and you know they'll Good. they'll get to see Larry's Country Diner, and they'll get to see a lot of things on there that they've never been exposed to, and they'll they'll yeah. really and that's going to be fantastic. I'm I'm looking forward to that because I do I have enjoyed every time I've come to visit Canada been able to play up there it, it has just been so great and the people there are, i mean you guys are just you're so welcoming and everybody has always just been so you know friendly and just sweet and and it's been great it really has oh good to hear that's nice yeah it's got to be an odd strange one every once in a while though right <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's everything. Yeah, let's be honest. You can't yeah. leave the house without running into an odd one somewhere. That's exactly. Great. So, what about exactly, exactly? T as a recording career, and is that something that you um, are actively looking at doing? Constantly looking for a single to get out and, and doing that, or is that you concentrating more on on the performance end of things nowadays? Um, obviously they kind of go hand in hand, uh, for me, the performance thing is what we've been focused on, uh, or that we were really kind of starting to put our focus toward this year. Um, but I think with the albums and, and the singles and that kind of thing, we just want to make good music. Uh, Terry and I have always been on the same page about that. If we don't feel like we've got the songs, we're not going to make a record because until the music is there, until we have an album that doesn't have any fluff on it, that's one of our things. Like, we want every song to be good. We don't want two great songs and then some eh, kind of okay songs. Yeah. We want, we, we like, when we put a, an album together, we like to have the whole album experience where you can put it on and listen to it from top to bottom and it's a whole thing, you know? Um, so we really haven't dug into the, like, just singles, which I know that's the way that the industry is going right now where people are just doing singles and EPs and things like that. We've talked about that some. Um, I mean, I've got four albums that, you know, for the most part, I mean, I have a great audience that that has all my albums and that, you know, they're fans. But there's also a real untapped audience out there that has no idea that they exist. 
And, you know, we can, we could pull a single off of my first album and put it out right now. And it could potentially, you know, have a a second life, if you will, just because, you know, we haven't really played the singles game and kind of done that whole thing. Um, So that's stuff that we've been talking about, especially through the quarantine. We've been, you know, kind of uh, just brainstorming us and uh, my booking agent, my publicist, we've all kind of just been throwing out ideas and, and trying to figure out, you know, what's the, what, what can we do? What, you know, that we haven't done, what can we try that we haven't tried? And, and, um, but yeah, for me right now, I just want to be performing as much as possible, being in front of people. Um, that's, that's what I do, you know? So that's, that's what I want to be doing is that. And if the songs come and we can finally get into a recording studio, I mean, I don't know, when are we ever going to be able to go back to recording studios? That's the, you know, it's, it's weird. You think, well, who's going to want to go into a studio and, and, and use the same mic as the guy before. You know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy because, yeah. you know, that's where we are right now. So for right now, I'm just focusing, like I told you at the very beginning, one day at a time. I'm going to do the good. best I can do today to keep my my friends on my social media, you know, keep up with them, keep them engaged, give them music, give them something to look forward to while they're locked in their house. Um, I heard from so many people during the, when we were doing the karaoke a day, they were like, thank you for giving me something to look forward to while I've been sitting here by myself, you know, because there's a lot of people that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be quarantined with my husband, but there's a lot of people that are alone and that's a really hard place to be. And so that's what I'm trying to be mindful of is what can I do for them? How can I help them? Because they've helped me, they've allowed me to have a career. So what can I do to give back while we're all, you know, where we are right now? So, um, yeah, just, one day at a time and, and, and we'll all figure it out. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think when this is all over, we're going to look back and go, Oh, now I know why they said hindsight's 2020 because 2020 is going to be the year that everybody went. Whoa. And their vision really changed. And what was important really came to light. That's what I'm, that's my hope anyway. Exactly. There's also a lot of people quarantined with their husband that wish they were on their own too. <laughs> I, know, right? I, I, see it. I, I keep seeing that so much. And I'm like, Brandon and I, thank God, we are like the best of friends and we have had a blast. I mean, I've almost feel guilty when I tell people, I'm like, we're loving this. Like, this is super fun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, we, we really have, we've had a good time. He has helped me so much trying to get this, um, this little podcast ish setup that we've been trying to work on. He has been influenced and obviously he fixed my computer just now. So Perfect. there's that. Um, so yeah, but we, we have really, we've enjoyed uh, the time that we've been home together. So I'm, I'm glad I have a best friend husband instead of one of those husbands that I'm wishing would get out. So, yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> awesome. uh-huh. so, so looking at country music uh, nowadays, do you have anybody that you'd mm-hmm. like listening to that you're excited about? Um, the, the last quote unquote new record that I bought, um, was Joshua Headley. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks are not familiar with Joshua. Uh, he was, he did one record and it was on third man records, which is Jack White's, um, label. And I don't even, I don't think he's even on that label anymore, but his record is called Mr. Jukebox. And that's one of those albums that you can literally put on and listen to top to bottom. And it is as stone cold, real live classic country as you will ever hear. And he wrote all the songs. I think he wrote all the songs one on there. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful. And the musicianship is beautiful on it. He's a great singer. He's a great songwriter. 
uh, really nice guy. Uh, he's played at Robert's Western World down on Broadway forever. Yeah. He's a fiddle player and a singer. And uh, he got the nickname Mr. Jukebox because he grew up playing in bars. Like when he was 12 years old, you know, he was playing in bars with his family. And, and uh, he knows every song. Like you can name any song and he'll play it. So that's how he got the Mr. Jukebox uh, nickname. And that's the title of the record. And that, that was the single uh, was Mr. Jukebox. But that whole record is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm a, I'm a big Joshua Headley fan. I'll have to uh, look that up for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, uh, we'll let you wrap up here real soon. I usually like to ask a couple questions uh, of all my guests, and usually with their singers or performers. Uh, one I always find uh, interesting is, is there a place out there that you haven't performed at yet that it's on your bucket list to perform at? Yes. Um, I have been very, very blessed to play the Grand Ole Opry nine times. But all nine times I did it at the Ryman Auditorium. And I love that because the Ryman is the home and I get it and I love the Ryman and there's nowhere else like it. Yeah. But I have never played the Grand Ole Opry House. Wow. I've never played the Opry House. So that was that was one of my 2020 goals was to play the Opry House this year. So <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was one of my goals because it's just always happened. It's either been in the wintertime uh, when they've been at the Opry or been at the Ryman or it's been one of their country classic shows that they do at the Ryman. Yeah. Um, but I've never gotten to play the Opry house. So that's, that's still a 2020 goal. Hopefully they'll be doing shows in 2020 where I could come and do that. That would be Good. fun. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah right. And, uh, another quick question for you. What do you miss the most being in quarantine? What do I miss them eating out? And what place would that be? Um, <laughs> Gosh, it would be a tie between Panturo's, which is an Italian restaurant uh, nearby where we live. Um, It's just the it's this the best food, and they have a great atmosphere. We've we've gotten takeout a couple of times, but it's just not the same. You know, you got to be in the restaurant. The whole restaurant experience is what I have missed. Um, And also Chewy's, uh, which is a Tex-Mex restaurant chain. Uh, that we love and uh, they have a big patio where you can sit outside and eat chips and salsa and it's wonderful. Nice. So that's, th- those are the two that I've really missed the most. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think that's what I, the quarantine thing that I've missed is, is the whole, just the restaurant experience. Yeah. And that's going to look really different over the next few Isn't months. It? Too, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to be strange, yeah. but I'm looking forward to getting back and you have to dive in there at some point. So um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us, Brian. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I in? just want to tell you keep keep the flag up and going. You're doing a great job there. I think it's well, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully we can uh, work together sometime up here in Canada and and do something. Yeah, I would love that. That would be yeah. fantastic. That'd be fun. Yeah. A lot of absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Well, keep well, keep healthy down there, and uh, I'm glad you got high. You have power too. I know a lot of Nashville has no power right now, right? Yeah, a lot of Nashville has no power. In fact, my husband works for Nashville Electric Service, so it's been a little wild around here the last couple of days. Uh, but yeah, a good portion of Nashville, in fact, I think they have like the most outages they've ever had a wow. couple of days ago because we had some really bad, it wasn't a tornado, but it was a straight line winds, which we just had a tornado a month ago Yeah, uh, that did a lot of damage. And then there was there was quite a bit of damage over the last couple of days, but Thankfully here we've had power and we didn't have any trees down or anything like that. So I'm glad, but yeah, Nashville's really been through it over the last couple of months. So, um, hopefully 
the weather will, you know, summer will get here and these storms will blow on by and be finished and, and we can hopefully start 2020 by the summer a little bit anyway. Yeah, that'd be nice. good. Well, thank you again yeah. and appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed talking with you a lot and uh, we'll hope to see you sometime in the future. Yeah, that sounds good. Yourself. Thank you guys so much. Have a good day. Take, thank you. Take care now. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.